What's up, everybody? Welcome to Maybe the Best of Things. I'm your host, Tanner Mangum. Here we are, starting week four, getting close to Thanksgiving now. The other day, my wife and I played Christmas music, and it felt all right. So if you're against playing Christmas music in November, then you're probably not going to like me, but it felt good. Love this time of year. I hope that everyone enjoyed last week's episode with Dr. Holt Lundstad dropping her knowledge on the physical effects of social relationships and the power that social connection has on our health. It was amazing stuff. She's always been a mentor of mine and and become a real hero of mine. And she finished the episode by sharing her best of things for the week, which was family. And I want to share a couple stories to start today's episode that had to do with family because I think she hit the nail on the head with how important and how meaningful family is in our lives. So the first story has to do with my personal mental health. I've shared it before, but really how I first started seeing a therapist was thanks to my family. My mom was the one who sat me down while I was at home, I was visiting home, she sat me down and asked me what was wrong because she could tell that for the last several months, I was not myself. I was avoiding coming home. I was avoiding spending time with family. I wasn't my same outgoing, enthusiastic, optimistic self. And she could tell something was up. She could tell something was off. And when she sat me down and really asked me how I was doing, I finally opened up to her and explained to her what I was feeling and what I was going through. And for the first time, I was putting words to my feelings. And throughout the conversation, she assured me that everything was was going to be all right as long as I didn't let these things fester inside. I needed to share these things. I needed to talk about my problems. I needed to open up because keeping them buried below the surface was not good for me. It was not good for my mental health and it was was making me really uh, sad and depressed and and, and anxious as well. And so at at the close of the conversation, she encouraged me to go and talk to a therapist, to go meet with a professional uh, back in Provo, and, and to really try and get to the root of these issues, to the root of these feelings that, was, that, were, that were causing me so much uh, anxiety and, and, and then and this, trying to get to the root of my, my depression as well. And I took her advice, and I did. I, I, I then talked to a church leader of mine to help find me uh, a, a well-known, reputable therapist in the Utah Valley area. And I was referred to Canyon Counseling in in Provo, Utah. And at this point, I was pretty humble as far as I knew I couldn't do this on my own. I knew that uh, trying to fight through these feelings on my own wasn't working. And so I was uh, looking forward to actually going and, and talking to someone. In a way, it was like going to see a doctor after feeling sick for so long it was it was it was like yes finally like let's do something about this 
I was I actually was really looking forward to it. I wasn't necessarily excited to share it with other people. I was a little bit uh, nervous about what other people might think because of that stigma that I'm trying to break surrounding mental health. Um, but in that moment, I was looking forward to it. And and then my, my time at Canyon Counseling uh, ended up being the most beneficial, valuable thing that I, I could have ever done because it really allowed me to finally get to the the root of my mental illnesses and, and to figure out uh, a, a path moving forward. And I was able to get the help that I needed. And after several months of therapy and medication, I was able to take control of my mental health. But had my mom not encouraged me, who knows how long I would have continued on uh, in that state of anxiety and depression. Who, who knows what would have happened? And so shout out to my mom for letting me know that it's okay to go and talk to someone. And then also my siblings, shout out to them for also setting an example and showing me that it, that, it, that it was all right to struggle and that I didn't have to hide it or fight it on my own. And I just, I use that story as an example so many times because it just shows that we need to encourage our family members that it's, to let them know that it's okay to go and get help, to encourage them to seek out help, and to let them know that they're not alone. Because mental illness thrives in isolation, in privacy. But when you can share it and talk with someone about it, open that door, it makes a world of a difference. It changes everything. It changed everything for me. And then part two, story two that I want to share briefly, was just from a few days ago. Uh, just, just the other day, I was, um, I was struggling. I was, I was feeling down. Um, I was feeling, I was feeling anxious about some just uncertainties in in my life of of, of work and my career, what I'm going to be doing, where I'm going to be, um, and then it eventually kind of just went into a, just a, a mode of kind of de- depressed, depressed, de- depressed mode, uh, where the other day I just didn't have much motivation. Um, didn't have much energy, didn't really want to do much or say much. And, uh, it, it reminded me of those times a few years ago when I was really struggling and I felt that way for months. You know, I, I was just feeling like, feeling like this for a day and I was like, man, I don't know how I was like this for months. I, I you know, I, I don't like feeling like this. And so what I did is, is I, I opened up with my wife and I just talked to her about what I was feeling and, and, and I didn't try to overthink it. And that's something that I've learned has really helped me. Don't overthink it. Just accept it and embrace it and accept it for what it is and talk about it for what it is. And my wife, who has been such a rock in my life, as always, was so understanding and loving and was able to talk me through it. And together as we kind of diagnosed it and then looked at what it was coming from or where it was stemming from and knew what I could do to, um, to cope. Uh, I was able to then overcome those feelings that were keeping me down. And it's amazing just how, just, just by sharing what I was going through, by opening up and talking about it with someone, with my family, um, how much power then I then had to, make a difference. Um, and, and just like I said, in, in, instead of fighting it alone, instead of trying to overcome it on my own, I talked about it with someone 
and that made all the difference. And, and, and so I just encourage everyone, if you're having a tough time mentally, if you're really struggling with your mental health, talk to someone about it, whether it's a prof- professional or a close friend or a family member or loved one. Because by giving a voice to the thoughts in our heads, by putting words to our feelings, they lose their hold over us. They don't seem as strong as they used to. That act of opening up gives us all the power we need to then make those improvements that we need mentally. That's something that I am really passionate about. And I'm really appreciative of those people in my life who have encouraged me, who have been there for me, and now I want to do the same. I want to be there for you. I want to encourage you and to use my story to help you find the the help and the healing that we all need. Stay tuned. Welcome to Maybe the Best of Things. We'll be right back after this break. Joining me on today's show is Mitch Matthews, former NFL receiver and current business owner and entrepreneur. And Mitch is one of my best friends. But anyone who knows Mitch can attest that he's an amazing human being with lots of wisdom and inspiration to share. And Mitch has been through a lot in his life, both on the football field and off it. And I'm excited for him to share his story with you today. Mitch and I became fr- became friends while we were at BYU. He was one of my receivers. I was a freshman, he was a senior, and in my very first game ever, my first touchdown pass went to Mitch on a dramatic Hail Mary pass to beat Nebraska in the first game of the year. It was crazy, it was wild, and it's a play that will forever link us in BYU history. But more than just teammates, Mitch and I are great friends and, re- and remain friends to this day. And I've been so proud to see Mitch and, and what he's done with his sphere of influence and how he uses his platform, both as a football player and as a business owner, to inspire those around him. He's full of wisdom, full of knowledge, and I'm excited for him to share the lessons that he's learned through his adversities, through his trials with you today. Mitch played for the Kansas City Chiefs, the Cleveland Browns, the Minnesota Vikings, and the Miami Dolphins in the NFL. And then, after that, decides to start a business of his own, a pest control company that has been killing it. And in his first summer selling, Mitch sold a thousand accounts, which is unreal. It's unheard of. And so whatever Mitch does, he puts his whole heart into it, whether it's football, business, life, relationships, he goes all in. And he has inspired me and helped me a lot throughout my hard times. And I know that whatever situation you're in or whatever circumstances you might find yourself in, Mitch's wisdom, Mitch's lessons, and the inspiration that he shares can help you as well. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this break. All right, here we are. Welcome to Maybe the Best of Things. This is your host, Tanner Mangum, and joining me today, the Mitch Matthews. Mitch, how you doing, bro? Very, very good. Even better now then, man. Every time we connect, it's a smile, it's a dap, and, and we're, we're, we're ready to roll. <laughs> Just like old times. Okay, so first of all, what are you doing back in Utah? 
just moved back two weeks ago. My wife and I built a place in Lehigh, uh, which we love, by the way. It's right in the middle of Salt Lake, right in the middle of Provo, right in the middle of the action. But um, long, long story, very condensed. Uh, after football was over, started my own business. And most of my employees are out here in Utah, and I felt like the most effect I could have in their lives was to be out here and near them. And so I felt like Lehigh was a great place just, just to be, to be around my, my guys out here in Utah. Why? I love it. I'm happy about it. <laughs> my wife right. and I are happy about it. That's we right. Get to hang out with you and Maddie more often. We miss you guys when you guys are gone. But thanks for coming on, bro. I really appreciate it. It's as 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 all of you listeners know, I, I've, I've hyped up Mitch a lot. He has obviously so much experience, gone through a lot. But he, more than anything, he's got a lot of inspiration and wisdom that he can share with uh, with everyone. And 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 so I'm excited for for you to be here, bro, to, to share your story, to talk about things that you've learned, and things that have helped you along your journey and then how those lessons that you've learned can help other people in their situations, sure. in yeah. their circumstances. Absolutely. And so I want to start with, first of all, obviously most of the listeners know, I've already talked about it, the, the Hail Mary play in Nebraska. Yeah. And we, we don't need to go into details of that. What I, where I want to start is when you were in the NFL and the lessons that you had to learn as you bounced around from yeah. team to team, as you got cut, as you got signed, the ups and downs of that journey. Yeah. I want to talk about that part first and the sure. lessons that you learned in that part of your experience. Yeah. So I'll back up a tad. So growing up, I feel like everything came natural. And I'm going to add college to that growing up phase as well. Everything came natural. I started you know, when I was young in college and um, everything just came to me. I mean, playing sports, having friends, great family, family life at home, great parents, great brothers, as, as an example, everything came to me. But I really grew up playing football in the NFL. I really grew up. There is, there is nothing that can wake you up and teach you a lesson more than being cut down and having your dream job metaphorically be put in a garbage bag that you take home on a on an airplane with you back <laughs> back home. I'm dead serious. Like it's they go to your locker and they bag everything up. When I got cut by the Minnesota Vikings, this is no joke. When I got cut by the Minnesota Vikings, by the time I was I met with a GM and walked downstairs, two equipment guys were in my locker bagging up my stuff for me. That is no joke, man. <laughs> Talk about you know, I'm 23 or 24 years old at the time. Like, that'll wake you up. That'll grab you and shake you and say, like, this is what life's about. And it was my job at that point to grow up a lot quicker. And that made me do it. It forced me to do it, right? There's no worse feeling in the world than showing up to work, living your dream job, and then leaving with that same dream job an hour later in a garbage bag on your back. <laughs> that's no joke, man. That's the, that's, that's the reality. Man, is- and so that's like... <laughs> That'll wake you up. And so I, I, I know I paint good visuals, but that's, that's, oh, you that, do. that's the reality. Master, masterful storytelling. <laughs> but that's it, man. So, and then, and then to, to have that happen four times, right? And so. Four times where? Minnesota? With, with the Chiefs, the Browns. And talk about how, I mean, when I, we were the Browns, we didn't win a game. And then at the end of the year or towards the end of the year, I got cut. And so talk about like, man, I'm, I'm getting cut by the worst team. How bad, <laughs> how bad am I, right? And, and so, but luckily for me, I was able to get signed by the Miami Dolphins and, and uh, play against the team that had cut me, the Minnesota Vikings, and score a touchdown against them. And so yes, for me, classic. like, I love storytelling. It's a passion of mine. 
but I like writing a cooler story even more. I want people to hear about my story and be like, oh my gosh, like that guy's been through something. I want people to look me in the eye and be like, you've been through something. You're, you, you've been fortified by something because you haven't had the easiest life in the world. You've been an underdog and you've made it and you've been cut and you've made it. it and that's the type of leader I want to be is, is, uh, is to be fortified by going through hard times like that. Well, that, that'll certainly do it. Uh, having your, your dream bagged up for you. Right. But then how do you keep the motivation up? I mean, you, four different times, yeah. four different teams. Obviously that's discouraging. There, yeah. had, there had to be moments where you, you feel down. Yeah. How do you, how do you get back up though? And, and, and move on to your next team. Yeah. You're flying out to your next locker room. How do you get the motivation back up? Man, that is a whole nother podcast episode, right? <laughs> it really is. True. But in short, I would say I have always lived my life to prove people wrong. I, I honestly believe um, that it is so much more beneficial for you to have a far more amount of people that don't believe in you than believe in you. I mean, I know my close friends and my family mm-hmm. believed in me. But that's all I needed. I can't even tell you. When you get cut by a team, by the way, it's not in private. Millions of people find out about it, right? It's yeah. embarrassing. Posted on Twitter, ESPN. Everyone knows. It's embarrassing. And so I had more people that did not believe in me than believed in me. Same with in college. I had more people tell me they did not believe in me than, than they believed in me. Even coaches, man. Why do you think uh, we, we would sign you know, some five-star receivers to come in? It's because the coaches said that they could come and replace me. That's the truth. Yep. So uh, my whole life has been an underdog mindset, which I love. And I'm going to keep that with me for the rest of my life. And in business, oh, man, Mitch, I don't know. Starting a business, that's scary. Like 95% of them fail. What, what year, qualifies right? you to start a business? Right, yeah, same I'll, thing, same yep. thing. So, and, and have more people not believe in you than believe in you is a good feeling. So what, to answer your question specifically, what makes me keep going is the fact that one day uh, I'm going to be able to, to, to say to myself, more importantly, that, that I proved everybody wrong. And, and I don't do it for that look or for other people. It's, just, it's, it's, it's good to know that um, I stuck in it in the trenches and kept going because of the self-belief in myself. That is what's going to feel really, really good to me. Not telling people that I made it, you know, right, or anything like that, but it's going to be, man, I stuck with it. I put my fingers in the dirt and I just, in the trenches and I stuck with it and I, and I made it happen in one way or the other. So um, the, the reason why I kept going is the self-belief that I'm going to become somebody and I want to set a trajectory for my life that I'm, I'm not going to quit no matter how many times my dream job is, is in a garbage bag. Yeah, love it, bro. I love it. And for for those of you listening, it wasn't like Mitch was just going through, uh, not like he had, he had everything going perfectly for him at this point either. At this time of your life, uh, you, you were going through a lot of personal struggles as well. And I want, I want, I want to hear your side of it yeah. to talk about what your family was going through at, during this time when you're, you're, you're in the NFL trying to get things figured out with, with, with the teams uh, getting cut, getting signed, and then you're also getting married soon, right? Yeah. You're trying to plan a wedding, you're trying to start a business, and yeah. then you're going through some some family, yeah. uh, some really really hard times in your family as well. Talk about that and sure. the roles that those played in in your journey. Man, I, I will tell this story, and I hope this story you know gets told of me for years. Um, is there was a one month span where I was planning my wedding getting married. Um, my mom had passed away. Um, I got signed by an NFL team and cut. 
and I had to start my own business, and that's the business that I own today. So that wasn't within one month span. And so if I feel like I can go through that, well, what else can I endure, right? What, what other accomplishments can I, and that wasn't an accomplishment to make it through that. I was scratching and clawing and crying every day. I remember there were workouts where I cried the entire time. I remember uh, in the locker room when I was in the Vikings just bawling my eyes out like, and, and trying to hide it with a hoodie on, you know, it just going through that and trying to live my dream was really, really, really tough. And so I, I want to be, I'm not immune, nobody's immune, but I, I, I honestly feel like that event made me somewhat unbreakable because if I can go through losing my dream job, losing my mom, trying to get married. I mean, her funeral was the same weekend as my wedding. When people flew into town for my mom's funeral, they just lingered around until my wedding a couple of days later. And, and so to have that, my wife's in school going through finals and in her side of the whole story, uh, and I needed her because her mom passed away when she was, you know, about 13 or 14 years old. We, everyone just needed each other. And, and, and I, needed, I needed myself. I needed to prove to myself that in those type of moments that I'm not going to give up because I wanted my people and my business now, uh, my investor, my business partners, my employees now to look into my eyes and, and just think like, I can follow this guy because I feel like he's somewhat unbreakable. I can follow him because I feel like this guy will go to the ends of the earth just to stay alive. I, I feel like this guy will do whatever it takes to win. And that only comes from either going through hard times or, you know, forcing yourself to go through hard times. So it was a really tough time. Uh, and, uh, you know, you never make it out of that, right? That'll still scar you. But it, the lessons that come from that, uh, you know, have taught me a lot. And, and uh, man, I'm not grateful for what happened at all, but I am a lot stronger and uh, it, that is necessary to become unbreakable. It's necessary to have success and the other things you do in life. When you're in those dark times, because, man, I, I can't imagine going through that. I mean, you're, when, when you're feeling these feelings and you're, you're feeling low, the lowest of lows, how do you keep hope? How do you make the decision to stay at it? And, and, and so and maybe... Talk about uh, to, to those who are listening who are going through hard times. What's your advice to them who maybe feel like they're at rock bottom or yeah. who feel like there's nothing else to look forward to? Hitting roadblock after roadblock or going through trial after trial. What's your advice to them on, on how to keep going? Yeah. Well, I truly believe that it's stories and influence that make the world go round. Like me being able to tell that story and that story being told of me, I hope that gives millions of people a lot of hope. And so I'm going to tell that story to a lot of people. And I do tell that story to a lot of people. And I hope, my hope is that I've, I, I can create such a good story. I hit rock bottom. The definition of success to me is how high you bounce after you hit rock bottom. And so if I can become exactly who I want to become, after that month span of time, mm -hmm. people will look at me and go, oh my gosh, man, I would die to have the strength that he has. I would die to have the ability that he has. And so if I can go through that uh, in terms of the benefit of millions of other people, count me in. Where's the pen? Let me send the dotted line. <laughs> I'll go through the trenches and I'll come out of it and I'll create an amazing story. Because if you think about a story, the best stories on earth is when 
whether it's a movie or a book, that main character goes through absolute hell. Mm-hmm. And then you see how far he comes out of it. That gap of how far in the depths of hell he went and how high he went, that's what creates the best story, right? So if you had a small struggle and small success, that's not a good story. That's not going to be, that's not going to break, you know, the box office, right? That's not going to, that mm-hmm. book's not going to sell. I want my book to fly off, uh, uh, the book of Mitch Matthews, quote unquote, to fly off the shelves. That people hear about what I've went through and, that people, and then people hear about where I've gone. I mean, I hope that book sells like a biography never has, right? And, and so that's my, that is my why to continue to do that so I can write a story for other people to tell. Love that. Well, you're writing a good one, man. You're writing uh, a story that needs to be shared and needs to be told. And it, it's inspiring me and it's, it's inspiring others. When you're still, I, I still want to hit on this point though. When you're, when you're going through these hard times, what, what specific things helped you keep your head above water? What, what specific uh, coping mechanisms or activities or mental uh, tricks, I guess, not, not even, you know, what, what things specifically yeah. did you do that kept you, kept your head above water? Yeah. I would say for me, and this, this typically sounds so cliche to people, but it's so sad that it does, is positive self-talk. Mm, Man, yeah. If people knew how powerful their brain was, mm-hmm. they, would, they would cut out bad thoughts yep. for, from here on out. If people only knew how powerful the mind is in terms of success, they would only think, as much as they possibly could, only think good thoughts for the rest of their life. If you wake up every single morning and say, I'm great at this, at, at blank, or at, at X, you're going to become great at that. If you're a pessimist and every single day is, what's wrong? What am I doing wrong? Why am I so bad? You'll just turn into exactly where you're talking about. And I truly believe that in those moments right there, like it was just scratch and claw. You got this. You got a dream to chase. You, you have to be there for your wife. You got this. Write a story, write your story, write your story. I, had, I don't know what it was, but my whole entire life, I've always been extremely good at just telling myself that I'm going to be great at something, even when I'm not. In my mind, I'm the greatest of all time. In my mind, I'm the fastest of all time. In my mind, I'm the strongest. In my mind, I'm the best. Am I really? Not yet. Yeah. Right? But I'm going to tell myself I am yeah. because if my mind's that powerful to make strides for me because your body physically and emotionally, everything else is just going to match what your thoughts are. Mm-hmm. It's going to match what your thoughts are. If, you're, if you tell yourself you're great, you're going to be great. If you tell yourself, uh, I mean, anything you put your mind to, you're going to be great at. And so it might sound cliche, but positive self-talk is so real. It yeah. is so powerful. No, I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm a big advocate for that, something that I've learned. And it, it, you're right. It's powerful. It, it's real. It, it, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Where did you learn that though? Who taught you that? Was it from your parents, a coach, uh, a mentor? Like, where did that come from? You know, I, I learned um, contagious optimism uh, from my mom for sure. She was always just like that. Um, but I think it was more self-taught because anything that sticks is typically self-taught, in, in my opinion. And let me explain that. If someone teaches you something, unless you go apply it over and over and over and over and over, it's not going to stick, yep. right? Yeah. Uh, we wish that whatever we were taught just sticks. But you, whatever you're taught, you applying that for years, for months, for decades, then that sticks, right? So I think, um, I think that I, I've, I've, uh, I, from being an underdog 
you know, my life, I was always in the shadows of my older brother growing up and how mm-hmm. good he was and in college. And we, I played behind some All-Americans to start with in, in the NFL. I was scratching and clawing to make it in business. It's a scratch and a claw. So my whole life has been an underdog story, which I love. And, it, and, and it's going to be there forever. And no matter if I'm an underdog or not, it's going to be there. Um, and so if you're in that place where you're not currently the best, um, it, it was my, like my back up against the wall. What else did I have? But who else did I have but me? If no one believes in me, and I got myself, my family, my best friends. Really, they're, they're really you only have yourself to yeah. to propel you forward. And so it's 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 honestly just self taught. It's just it's it's like my back's up against the wall. All I got is me. I'm the best. I got this. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna make it out of this. And so it's just teaching yourselves in moments where you feel like that no one believes in you. That you're all that you really need is yourself. And I, I think you've taken that mentality into your business now as well. Yeah. And so talk about the start of your business. Yeah. And how those growing pains right. and getting it started and getting it off the ground. Talk about how that mentality helped you in those beginning stages. Sure. So when I got cut by the Browns, as, as, I, as I told you, that was a low point, right? <laughs> that was a low point. So at this time, like, man, I just got cut by the worst team in the NFL. Is this, is this whole football thing really for me? Um, and so, uh, I mean, I, I knew I was going to keep going and keep playing, but the NFL uh, doesn't stand for National Football League. For a lot of people, it stands for not for long, you know? Yep. Yep. And so for me, I was like, well, I've, I'm going to be an entrepreneur after I'm done playing football no matter what. I don't know when I'm going to be done, so let me just start my own business now. And I, I had the, the start and got the ball rolling with my business that I own now. It's been three years, and we're coming up on our fourth year, which is we're so excited about, and things are going very good right now. Um, but I ended up getting called back to the Minnesota Vikings at the time. As, as the ball uh, was starting to, to roll with my business partners, um, but I was playing football in the NFL while my business was going. So for those listening, you've probably felt at one point in your life like something called imposter syndrome, where you're yeah. like, wait a minute, I can't start a podcast. I know nothing about podcasts. Yeah. Wait a minute, I can't. I, 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 felt this, I, I feel it all the right? time. Yeah. You, you, and as you should, though, because most people don't start things until they're really good at something, but, but by then it's too late, right? Yeah. And so... My thing was, well, how, how am I going to be a, a business owner and I'm still playing football in the NFL? And at the time, it was, it was, that's what I was doing. My business partners were very supportive of me playing, continuing to play and chasing that uh, at the time. But when it was all said and done after, I hurt my ankle when I was on the Miami Dolphins and I put me out for like 12 weeks. And that was, the, that was the point where I was like, you know what, let me make a jump into my business. But that's when I felt like the imposter syndrome just way down mm-hmm. on me. Like, wait a minute, I'm supposed to lead these guys in sales and all my sales guys have sold something before and I've never sold anything in my life. Um, and so how is that possible? So I decided to jump headfirst into my business and go all, all in as every business owner should. And I put on the sales uniform and I went out and sold with my guys because I'm gonna, if I'm going to be uh, the president of sales at my company, I better be a guy that can lead the whole group. Yeah. Whether it's 10 guys or, you know, the 100 plus guys that will have come out this summer with us. Um, I decided to go out and sell. And, and my business is a direct to home sales business where we sell pest control door to door. And I decided to go out and sell with my guys. And for seven months straight, I prepared to go and, and, and go after this, this sales record. I read 40 books in 40 weeks. I did every single thing I can. I, I felt like I had just been fortified by being cut. My mom passed away going through what I went through. I felt like mentally I was strong enough to go do this. And it came out of learning the sales skills and me diving into that. And, and then I went out and, and uh, broke a couple uh, industry records that have been standing for years and years and years and years. And that really changed the trajectory of the company. And uh, now, we're, now we're riding off 
we're rolling with that hype and, and, and continuing to move forward. And so it was, it was scratching and clawing just like every other aspect of my life to make it, but I'm glad I did it. And, and, uh, if I would have quit when times were tough, when my, when my mom passed away, when football was going tough, if, tough, if I, if I would have quit at that time, because business at that point, it came second to my mom. It came, you know, to, to football. It came, mm-hmm. it came behind everything. I could have easily just dropped that to make my life easier. I could have dropped the business at the time, and but I didn't. And the business is rolling now. And, and uh, uh, this this next year, our goal is to be in the top uh, seventy in pest control companies in the nation. Um, and that we're just right around top one hundred right now after two and a half years of business. And uh, we've done it extremely well. And I'm I'm, I'm grateful for me diving ahead first and going through that imposter syndrome phase where I felt like I wasn't worthy to be there and do that. And, uh, I'm glad I did it. And, uh, and here we are now. Here we are now. Not, not too shabby. How many, how many accounts did you sell that first summer? It was a thousand accounts accounts. in under five months. And it was my first year. At the time it was the fastest ever sell 1000 homes. And and, uh, it was the first anyone and still, I think that anyone's ever done it in their first year. And, but what it comes back down to for me is I just prepared harder than anybody. Mm-hmm. I prepared harder than anybody. I, I, I want to be known as the hardest worker and the, the smartest worker that people have ever met. And so I prepared like an A-plus salesman, and I sold like one. And so anything in life, if you prepare like a B-plus athlete or you prepare like a, a, a C-minus podcaster, if you prepare like a, uh, you know, a, a B-minus author, you're going to write, sell, yeah. play like the grade that you currently are preparing at. And so it's all, it was, for me, it was about the preparation. Well, speaking of books, I know you're an avid reader. Right. And I know at one point you just mentioned 40 books in 40 weeks. Right. But then I know you did more, did 52 books in 52 weeks in a, in a year. That, so I did 40 and 40 weeks straight. And then I, I've, I mean, since last probably year and a half, I've probably, it's been about just under 65. Yeah. So. But I mean, before then, I can honestly say before that first of those 40 books was before that was probably Captain Underpants when I was in second grade. <laughs> so it, like for me, that was a huge accomplishment. I'm sure there's people out there that read a couple books a week or three books a week. But for me, it was a humongous accomplishment huge. coming from Captain Underpants to reading 65 books. You know? <laughs> so for me, it was, it was a big deal. Don't sleep on Captain Underpants. Oh, no. That, yeah. That, that, that's my number one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But... Why, why reading? I'm curious, like why this huge jump yeah. to go all of a sudden, all right, I'm going to read a book every week. Where did that come from? Okay. And what, what has it done for you? So super, super good question. So here's what reading does to you. So reading puts information into your brain, but it does nothing for who you actually become. And I'll tell you why. I can read a book on leadership and learn about like the different grades of leadership, what type of leader you can become. I can learn so many things about leadership but that's just information to my brain. Mm-hmm. But I store that information in my brain, just like everyone does when they read a book, and they go either two things, put that into practice or go watch a great leader. Or if you're reading on sales, you're putting the sales information in your brain, or you go put that into practice or go watch a great salesman. Reading connects those dots. You have the information in your brain, and then you go watch the best of the best, and you go, oh my gosh, I just watched him do or put in action what I would read about, and now you never forget that's what's so cool about reading is I went up and spent 12 hours one time with Jeremy Andros. He's the CEO of Traeger Grills up here mm-hmm. in Salt Lake. And I read tons and tons and tons of books on leadership and sales and everything. And then I went and spent 12 hours with him. And the amount of dots that were connected, man, when I, when I read and put all that information into my brain, didn't improve me yet. 
and I watched him put into practice, and I, it brought me back to all the things I read about great leadership, and I was like, oh my gosh, there it is in practice. Now I can't forget. Now it's my turn to go put it into play. And so reading doesn't do anything for you unless you put it into practice or unless you go watch someone put it into practice and then, and then, and then try it from there. So reading puts the information in your brain and allows you to cement in teachings that you're going to go implement. Of all these books you've read, top of mind, what books have really impacted you the most? Number one favorite is Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. I'm biased because I'm from Oregon, and I'm a Nike homer, right? But hey, that, as am I. That, I right? Yeah, exactly. That book, I'll tell you why that book was amazing real quick. So I read that book about his journey from college kid to where Nike is now, and there was like 10 or 15 times in that book where I was like, oh, my gosh, if I was him, I would have quit. And I flipped the pages. Yes. I'm like, oh, my gosh, if I was him, I would have quit. And to see what Nike is now and to have read the book, once again, to connect the dots about not quitting mm-hmm. perseverance, it's, it, that's what it is. That book was so special to me because I would have, it taught me how much at, at, at that time was such a quitter. I was like, oh my gosh, I would have <laughs> quit if I was you, Phil. That's how was in my mind. And so uh, that book was amazing for me. Um, and Start Something That Matters by Blake Mykoski. So Start Something That Matters by Blake Mykoski. The, the purpose of the book is in the title. Start a business that matters and can change the world. Now, is killing bugs what I do now, pest control, going to change the world? No. But <laughs> teaching guys uh, confidence, sales ability, I've seen guys pay off their college debt in one to two selling seasons with us. I've seen guys uh, leave and start their own businesses. I've seen guys buy their first house. I've seen guys uh, do so many cool things from what we do. So I'm going I'm to always base my businesses that I'm going to start around changing lives. So that was number two for me. And number three is The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. I actually had the opportunity when I was on the Miami Dolphins to have breakfast with him and just stare as he's, I just, I pretty much just told him, dude, just, just talk for an hour straight. <laughs> I'll, just watch I'll just, I'll just literally just, just listen, be, just listen right. And uh, the guy just blew me away by how humble he was and by how, by how, I mean, that guy literally reads like five books a weekend. Like he's just, I mean, he's incredible. Yeah. He's incredible. So the information that's in his brain like stirred up into a recipe and spewed out into his own book is insane. And so the obstacle is a way, once again, it's, it's in the title of the book. Uh, it talks about turning trial into triumph. And I read that book two months after my mom passed away. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is a trial. Playing football in the NFL is hard. Uh, starting my own business while all those things are going on is hard. While planning a wedding, that's hard. That's a trial. Now let me turn that into triumph. Mm-hmm. And so that was the obstacle. I need to go through that way to become who I am now. And so Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, Start Something That Matters by Blake Mykoski, and The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday are my one, two, and three. Love that. And all three really valuable messages that, that have impacted you. And I've seen it personally. I've seen how those uh, messages that those books share really have you've put them in, put them into practice. And so yeah. just like you said, you put the information in your brain, but then it's up to you to go implement yeah. them in your own life. And yep. I've seen it and I've seen, I've seen, I've seen the power in put into practice and it's, it's awesome to see. Thank you, man. I, I want to talk a little bit now about, uh, where you see yourself as you move forward. You obviously you've had, you've had success 
um, you know, obviously you've worked extremely hard to get there, but then where, where do you see yourself moving forward five, if you know, five years, five, 10, 15 years from now and talk about your principles of a vision. That's something that you, you always talk about is having a vision and having a why that's bigger than your what. Mm-hmm. And so talk about that for a little bit and just explain how the why is so much more important than the what you, you kind of alluded to it just now, but elaborate more on that and then how that impacts where you want to see yourself in five, 10, 15 years down the road. Very good. So I'm a huge advocate of finding out what your why is. And it's, it's, it's hard to put into words because you don't know why you, you're continuing to go. You don't know why you put one foot in front of the other sometimes, but if your why is bigger than your what and stronger than your what, when hard times come, you're still going to be able to make it through that because you're like, my why is going to, is going to allow me to, to, to steer this ship over this hard time. Mm-hmm. But if, if, I was, if it was just based on my what, making a certain amount of money or, or, or what I did, I mean, anything, if a hard time comes in that, you're, you're going to quit. And so the why allows you to not quit when, when hard times come. And it's really powerful. And so in five to 10 years from now, I, I see myself uh, you know, running this business that I have now in, 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 in becoming the, 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 the biggest pest control company that I know. And I, I see myself producing high, high performing people that it's not just great salesmen, but they're great communicators. They're great husbands or wives. They're, they're just great people. And I truly, truly, that could be so, so far from cliche to me. That's so important to me. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning is how are my people as people? And uh, I see myself continuing to influence for the rest of my life. I want to influence millions and millions uh, and hundreds of millions of people in my life. And, and a way to do that is by leading. That's mm-hmm. I, I feel like the only real way to do that because leadership is influence, yeah. nothing less, nothing more. So if you're influencing a high number of people, then, then you're leading a high number of people. And so I, I see myself being, one of my goals is, is I, I want to become the, the entrepreneur of the year in, in, in Utah. And that'll mean that I would have to in, have influenced a lot of people and shown guts and, and continue to perform at a high level. And so that would take influencing a lot of people. And so I think that that is what, since, that, since that's what gets me out of bed in the morning, I'm going to continue to influence people along the way. And I see myself influencing for the rest of my life. And so that's a stepping stone for me is to, is to, to accomplish that. Who decides those Entrepreneur of the Year awards. Uh, yeah, committees and groups and everything. And it, it comes down to a lot of things, how your company's doing, how it's performing, mm-hmm. what you're doing besides just in your business and, and how, how, what you've, where you've taken your company to where it is now. Um, you know, Jeremy Andrews, like I talked about, the CEO of Traeger, won that award a couple of years ago cool. because he took Traeger from uh, tens of millions to now it's, it's over a billion-dollar company. So Unreal. I think he deserves that to hoist that mm-hmm. award, right? Yeah. And so um, I want to I want to take this business and tell this story of where it started, and to show where it is in five, ten years from now. And uh, I hope that story is is, is the reason why I, w- I would be able to accomplish something yeah. that great. Well, I'd say you're on your way. Thanks, man. What other people inspire you? You're someone that inspires others. You're someone that influences others. Where do you get your inspiration from like who who in particular is someone that you try to model your game after yeah that's a very very good question and i wish i had just one person but if it was just one person i think that'd be i would be selling myself short right 
I do think books are such an easy way for mentorship. Like Phil Knight, in a roundabout way, become a has, mentor has mentored me. Yeah, he's told me <laughs> never to freaking quit. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and Simon Sinek in the book Start with Why has told me to put my why above my what, and he's mentored me. I never met him, but he's mentored me. He doesn't know that. Great point. Blake Mykoski, uh, who started the book uh, Start Something That Matters, has taught me and trained me to do something that's going to change lives and put that first before anything. I mean, just like right now, saying that out of my mouth is like, dang, that's crazy that they've mentored me and they don't even know it. And so I would say pick up a freaking book and read it and find out what's in it. Find out how it's going to change your life. Those books changed my life. And I was able to take those, put it into practice myself and be like, and say, yep, that works. And I, I've told you, I mean, Jeremy Andrus, uh, CEO of Traeger, my investor, who, who's um, uh, as a franchisee for McDonald's, has been a great uh, advocate and mentor to me and uh, um, family, especially my mom and dad, my brother. Um, it's a combination of so many people that, you know, what they say is, uh, you know, it took a village to raise me, right? Mm-hmm. You've heard that before. Yep. Same thing. If, if you're going to be a great entrepreneur, you're going to be a great business owner, a great leader, you didn't do that by yourself. Yeah. You did it because of you looked at 20 people and copied what they did. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, nothing wrong with that at all. It's all about learning from those people around you, making the most of the social connections that you have. I, I think that's, that's crucial. It's vital. Um, talk about your relationship with your wife and her role throughout your whole journey because you two have been through a lot together sure and talk about her influence in helping you get to where you are now so my wife shout out moment is so strong and so amazing and so i know we're supposed to be together because she was there when my mom passed away and she was able to literally grab me hold my hand and say I went through the same thing when I was 14, 13 or 14 years old. And if she wasn't there, Tanner, I, I don't even know if I'd be here. I, don't, I, I would have probably quit playing football in the NFL and just gone home and been like, I'm done. This is just pointless. This whole thing's pointless. But she gave me hope to say, you know what? That, hap- that same scenario, her mom passed away when she was young, but look where she is now. I mean, yeah. she was her first team all-conference athlete, a two-sport athlete, a better athlete than me, and she went through that. There is light at the end of the tunnel. But she never said that. She just was that, you know? And so subconsciously, it just taught me, like, if I could just be more like her and just continue to put one foot in front of the other and not quit, um, then if I can be as happy as her and just do that, I'm in, you know? And I know she was there that time for a reason. I know she was. And she right, she now owns her own business. It's called It's Bright Access is what it's called. Brightaccess.com for all brides that are looking to get married. She plans your wedding via vendors on her website. Yeah, it's and, awesome stuff. And so she's gone from, once again, trial to triumph in the most original form of that sentence. And it's pretty inspiring to see. And so she was there right in the trenches with me. And so our relationship is not immune, but it's it's been up to this point, it's been pretty hard to break and shake us. Yeah, I love that. It's, you make a good team. And just as you've talked about, going through hard times together forms a really unbreakable bond. Uh, when, when you when you go through adversity uh, alone, it's 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 tough to, in a way, get through it because you feel like you don't have anyone to to lean on or to 
talk to about it. But when you have that teammate, someone that, that, that you can just be there with, someone who's there for you and you're there for them, mm-hmm. it creates a really special, unique bond. And I want to talk about the the uh, <clears throat> the influence of your parents on your life. And I know, I know you, you, you talked about your mom and, and, and I, I, man, I, I was there, um, you know, I was, I was at that wedding, you know, the, yeah, you were a groomsman, I, I was a groomsman in the wedding. And so I understand the feeling that surrounded that wedding weekend. It was very bittersweet, right? Just that, that juxtaposition of a wedding, like a start of a new life together with your loved, with your, with, with your, your spouse, but then also the end of another life, someone that, yeah. Who who brought you into it's this the world? Passing and, of a torch, yeah, for sure. Yeah, passing of a torch. Exactly. It's a perfect analogy for it. And so, talk about the influence that your mom, in particular, has has had on you. And and for those listening who have dealt with loss, who have dealt with grief, and have had to, have had to deal with the the loss of a loved one, in a way, how do you let that motivate you? How do you let it inspire you? Uh, as as opposed to simply letting it be something sad, which it is, but then how do you also use it as a motivational yeah. piece as well? Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, not, not to dive in too much to like, you know, who my mom was and, 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 and everything, uh, but everyone brags about their mom, but my mom was freaking awesome. I can attest. Everyone I, I can attest. was obsessed she, she was with awesome. my mom. I would show up he's, sometimes. He's not lying. <laughs> I would show up sometimes in high school and my like girlfriends, you know, I mean, just my, my friend group, uh, would already be there having movie night with my mom. Like, well, what, what the heck? Why, why didn't anybody call me? And, and 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 all my friends were obsessed with my mom. My my, my mom created an environment where that was the place to be. It was our place, our house. And so I I just watched from afar, and I had no idea that I was learning the whole time. And so she was incredibly infectious and inspiring. And I get messages to this day. Mitch, your mom changed my life. Mitch, your mom changed my life. Mitch, your mom literally changed my life. I go work out now at the gym that she managed for eight years and say, yeah, Mitch, your mom hired me. She literally changed my life. She changed my life. And so that just created a pattern for me to change people's lives wherever I was. Wherever my feet are, I'm going to change lives. And, and, I can, and, and with the drive that I have, I'm going to do that on a very, very big scale. I know I will. And that's why I'm very active on social media is because, I mean, when I post, it reaches thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And that's a perfect opportunity to live my dream, which is influencing people. And so it was because of her infectious personality and she owned her own business. She just literally gave a blueprint. And then, you know, when she passed away, it it was absolutely crushing, bone chilling. I mean, she died as I was holding her in my arms. That'll crush so many people and it crushed me. But she taught me from 25 years of life, that's all it was when she passed away, to be so freaking strong and so inspiring, so what other job do I have than to be that, you know? And, and, and I believe that she's watching everything I do now. And so my job is to take that blueprint and to blow it up and to absolutely be, to be inspiring, to become my best self, to, to kick my butt every morning in the gym, to, to change millions of lives. That's my job. Yeah. And it's because of her blueprint that she left. And, and, and my, my dad, I mean, in the same, same way, such a sign of strength. Uh, very intelligent and and, and such a good coach Mm -hmm. that allowed me to take all the talents I have in football. And I truly believe he was the biggest reason why I played, got a scholarship in college. And and so 
he helped me to get to a level where I was able to build a name for myself, incredible, and have, you know, like at least in here in Utah, like a household name where people will, will talk about me and, and relate it to BYU and same with you. And, and uh, he allowed me to get there. And, and then my mom as well with that blueprint of, of just inspiring people and changing lives wherever you are. It was a combination of those two and my brother as well um, to always have great role models. And so I feel like I had the perfect team to, I had that village that raised me, it, yeah. you know, like I have a, I, I'm rough around the edges and uh, it <laughs> took that village to raise me. Sometimes that village was just three, the three people in my family, uh, the, you know, there's four of us, but the, those three and my wife. And, and then it took the, the, uh, it took the whole village of all the coaching staff at BYU to make sure I didn't get flags for dancing in the end zone. It took that, <laughs> took that village. It took all my, that's my, a big village there. Yeah, it took all, <laughs> it took all my, my, my boys, uh, my grooms when I got married to hoist me up because I was going to collapse that weekend. And it took, it, it just, I'm always relying on so many people. I'd be, I'd be lying to you if I, if I didn't admit that I was, I leaned on every single person that's in my life. I lean on them hard. Maybe I put on a good face, but they don't know it, but I lean on all my guys hard. So I love that, man. Some of the best memories that I have with you are, are in those, in those hard times. I mentioned the wedding, but then leading up to that, the, the, the bachelor party, you know, we went down to St. George and golfed. Yeah. 72 holes in two days. <laughs> yeah, and it, we did. It, it was crazy. But it was cool to have, to be a part of that group when we, you know, we knew you were going through a hard time, but being there together to just buoy each other up and be there for each other was, was huge. And that's something that I'll, I'll always remember. And I love what you're talking about with, with the village and, and recognizing it. it that, that takes humility and recognizing that you can't do it by yourself and that you need to, to lean on others and to allow them to help you. And so t- talk about the humility and the mixture, the combination of absolute confidence in yourself, mm. but then also having the n- enough humility to recognize that you can learn, that you can get better, that, that you don't have it all figured out. Talk about that and how, yeah. that's, how that's influenced your journey. This is the quote I would tell yourself and live by. It's, I am the best. I just haven't showed them yet. Because that sentence right there, the first part is I'm the best, whatever you're choosing to do. Tell yourself that I am the best salesman. I am the best athlete. I am the best coach. I'm the best, comma, I just haven't showed them yet. So it's two very different mentalities on one side of the comma. The mm-hmm. first side is I'm the best. You don't always bo- you don't boast that out yeah. in public, right? But you say that to yourself, which means I'm the best. I just haven't showed them, which means I'm going to be there. I am. I just haven't showed people. And the other side of that comma means I have work to do. Yeah. It means I'm going to freaking be the best. I just got work to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, and so totally. talk about connecting the dots. That's that, that's that bit hidden away in your brain. I'm the best. I just haven't showed them yet. And then you go put in the work. And when you're, going at a, when you're at a workout, if you want to be the best player in your team and you're at a workout and you've been telling yourself, I'm the best, I just haven't showed them yet, I promise you, when it comes time to do, to do extra sets and reps, you're going to do it because this morning you told yourself you're the best. You haven't showed them yet, though. You know? Yeah. And if you're the best salesman, you, if, excuse me, if you're in sales and you want to be the best salesman and you're probably not yet, tell yourself that you are the best. You just haven't showed them. So when it comes to time to putting in extra hours of, of sales training or public speaking training, you're going to do it because that bits in your brain that t- tells you, you've already said you're going to be the best and you got to start acting like it. Yeah. And so it's okay to tell yourself, I'm, I'm the best at what I do. I just, I haven't showed them yet. 
There is such power in that sentence. And I've, coined, I've kind of coined that sentence in my mind. That's, that's what I have literally lived by and is what I teach to my people constantly is I'm the best. I just haven't showed them yet. That's so, a mantra that you live by. Right, that. yeah. And so that to me is the right mindset of self-belief because without self-belief, self-belief is my number one attribute to high performance, number one. And so that needs to start first. That needs to be the beginning of the sentence. I'm the best. I just haven't showed them yet. And then that'll teach you to be the hardest worker in the room. Love it. Do you have a list of your top attributes that lead to I high do. performance? I do. I've sent, out a, I've sent out a newsletter about it. I'll send it to you, bro. All right. Yeah. Please do. If I, yeah. I mean, to go over those right now would be probably long winded. That's too much. I, but, but I, I no, yeah. I think 100%. listeners would, would love to get their hands on Follow those. me on Instagram, and I post about it all the time at Mitch Matthews 10. One T on Matthews, but at Mitch Matthews 10, I post a lot about uh, high performance and how to get there and, and mental strength and, and communication and sales and, and uh, entrepreneurship and, and uh, mental, I mean, a lot, a lot of cool things. So yeah. um, I post that on there all the time. Yeah, yeah. please do. Go follow him. He's, he's not short on inspiration. It, 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 <laughs> it's, it's all he does is inspire. So I, I appreciate you coming on to further spread that wisdom. As we wrap up here, I want to ask you a question. As you know, the title of the podcast is maybe the best of things, an allusion to my favorite movie of all time, Shawshank Redemption. For you, Mitch Matthews, in one word, what is your best of things in life? One word. One word. That's it. It's tough. Okay. Strength. Elaborate on that. If it was two words, I would have said redefine hard, but to put that into one word, I would just say strength. That works. If you are strong, then people want to be around you. If you are strong, people want to be led by you because they know that when blank hits the fan, you're not going to you're, you're not going to hide away from that because you're strong. When the game is on the line, the coach typically doesn't, doesn't just look for the best athlete. He looks, where is the guy that I feel most confident in that's going to be strong in this moment? I'll put him in. Uh, the, the parent, the, strong, uh, the stronger the parent can become, the, your kids will, will gravitate towards you because they want, everyone wants strength. That's mm-hmm. why you're in the gym in the morning. That's why you're practicing to become stronger at your skill or have a stronger mind. And so strength is how you become a better leader. It's how you become a better athlete, it, 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 in metaphorically and, and physically. Um, I would say redefining hard, but to, to put that in one word, strength, is, is that you become happier when you're stronger. Mm-hmm. When less thing, When you let less things penetrate your mind, less negative thoughts penetrate your mind, less less negative people penetrate your life and you're stronger and you're fortified by strength. You are a lot happier than if, if people push you around, than if, if weakness in, in, in negative people come into your, into your mind and life and, and you're bothered by so many things, that things bother you. If you're super, super strong, you're better at everything. You're better at everything. Love that. There it is. Real, real quick, I, I, I want to let you just briefly elaborate on this concept of redefining hard. I think that'll help yeah. acquire strength. And one, sure. one of these ways to get stronger is to redefine hard for yourself. So as, as we finish, I want to hear you elaborate on that, on that concept because it's a great concept. Okay. So as I said before, my life until I was about 25 years old was easy. 
I was naturally the best athlete. I was I always had tons and tons of friends. I had, it was, I had great parents, great great everything. But I didn't know that's not what life was about. Mm-hmm. I thought that's I thought everyone had a great life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I thought wait, people go through hard times. What the heck are you talking about? That's it just I didn't go through much. My people or my parents, excuse me, did a great job of of protecting me from that. Like they just did a great job. They taught me how to be the best at everything I did. And life came easy. And so it wasn't until that month, which I've already described multiple times, that hard came to me. It slapped me in the face. Those garbage bags I slung over my shoulder on my flight home, that slapped me in the face and that woke me up. That literally shook me to my core. That brought me, Tanner, that brought me to my knees in tears. And to my knees. I've never fallen to my knees and cried before except in a couple moments of my life. And football, my mom was one of them. Mm-hmm. And, and so those crumbled me. That taught me what hard was. So going back to me breaking the sales record, people telling me no, that they didn't want my pest control, didn't seem so hard anymore because I knew what hard was now by yeah. going through that crap. And so I, since then, hard coming to me, since then, I've rededicated my life to redefining hard on my terms, on my own. Meaning, I'm going to go bike 100 miles even though I haven't trained. I'm going to come up with my own challenge called the 10 of 10 liter challenge where I have to work out twice a day. I'm in week nine right now. Twice, to work out twice a day, no cheat meals for 10 weeks, read 15 pages of a book and express gratitude daily. I'm a, that, that's hard for me. So yeah. I'm going to do it because I let hard come to me. I'm going to hard now. And so I do hard things all the freaking time, daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. And, and so my life is, is based around now the obstacles, the way, trial and the triumph. What is hard? If my definition of hard is stronger than the man next to me, more people are going to follow me on my journey than the other guy. If my definition of hard is stronger than the other leaders in my space, people will gravitate towards me because I can teach them what hard means and and it changes their perspective. If my definition of of hard gets stronger every day, people look at me and say, that guy's progressing. I want to follow him on his journey. I want to be on that journey with him. And, And so... Redefining hard is the is the term is my mantra that I've, that I, like I said I've, I've I've I live by and I've coined as like my thing. I actually, yeah. I actually I'm making a shirt that says redefine hard on it, and that's a shirt that I'm gonna start working out in. And it's actually gonna be something that I was gonna announce to the uh, the public and my followers was um, people that can show me how they're redefining hard, redefining hard are gonna get one of my shirts. So cool. It, it, so if guys if they've if they do my ten of ten challenge, uh, if they um, go find ways on their own to redefine hard. Um, and I can see that they have, that they get one of my redefined hard shirts because I feel like there's so much happiness in the strength of the definition of the word hard and what it means to somebody. Cool. I love that. Love that, man. Thanks for joining the show, dude. Absolutely, Thanks man. Thanks for, for, for dropping Absolutely. your knowledge and sharing your experiences and sharing your story because everyone has a story and there are lessons to be learned from those stories. And, and, and so it's, it's, just, it's crucial to share them with the world. And, and so I appreciate you taking the time to, to come and do that with us today. 100% man. Bam. Let's go. Let's do it, dude. T Mang, Mitch Matthews in the heezy <laughs> in the house, baby. Let's go. Is this, are we still recording? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Let's go. That's man. a wrap. Next week on Maybe the Best of Things, an episode dedicated to question and answers. You submit your questions, I'll provide the answers. 
whatever they may be, send them in. I'm excited to hear from you and I'll provide as many answers as I can. And I'm really looking forward to it. And please, as always, rate, like, subscribe, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Can't wait for next week. Stay tuned. We'll see you then.